listen to this message from Pastor Mark. Good morning. You can be seated. How's everybody doing this morning? That just feels like Jesus is in this place. Can I hear an amen? Hey, listen, we have the wonderful privilege this morning. We are connected only with our Eugene family down in Eugene. We love you guys. Come on, put your hands together. We see the Elliots and the Clarks and the Wrights sitting in the back corner. We love you guys so, so much. And great that uh, we get to do church together this morning. Hey, listen, I'm wearing a shirt that I'm really excited about. Last night, we had a thing called Creative Community. And we brought together all of the different people that are part of our creative team, our dream team, that are uh, producers and videographers and photographers and graphic designers to just talk about all the things that God is doing. And they have this creative idea, and that was to take a chalkboard that was drawn by our founding pastor, Brother Dick Iverson, and to make it on shirts. And so I was so excited about this. I saw this, and again, this is actually a chalkboard that was drawn in 1962 by our founding pastor. And he, I don't know exactly where he was at, but he sat in a room, and he was praying, and he had a piece of chalk. Just him, chalk, and Jesus. He began to dream. Begin to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me for us? And he just began to draw. He began to think about things that he could see in the spirit, like branch churches right now as I'm talking to Eugene. He saw you on that, on that day. Bible college. I think about that as you just see this word Bible college across here. Today there's over 5,000 students in 60 plus nations representing thousands of churches and perhaps millions of people. It started with a piece of chalk. I mean, think about that. I think about where it says literature. And I think about our publishing company and our tape ministry and the millions of lives and, and here was a man that was just sitting there praying and had a piece of chalk and began to write the word literature, missionaries, church plants. He began writing these things. And as we sit here today, and as you sit there in Eugene, and you think about all that's happened all over the world, literally the countless millions of lives I found myself as I left last night and woke up this morning, I had a whole different intro, but I really like the shirt. And, and I thought, what was it that made all of this happen all over the world? What could take moving from a piece of chalk to all we see today? And you know really what the answer is? You. See, one man having a vision isn't enough. It requires really the, the kingdom of God. It requires the family of God. And Brother Dick began to come and to preach, and people begin to respond sacrificially and supernaturally. And all of a sudden, what began to happen was a shirt, a blackboard, became a reality. And really, the heroes in this story are you. Some of you that have been here now 60-plus years, 50, 40, 30 there's something that happened in your heart as you thought about this idea about kingdom of God. And so, you know, as we come into this series called Season of Generosity, here's, here's the disappointing part of the journey. We actually believe it's about money. 
We actually think that this season is about, oh, they're talking about money again. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about a chalkboard. We're talking about this idea that God has given you and I, everybody down in Eugene, this wonderful privilege to be a part of something that is absolutely changing the globe. And, oh, by the way, we might have to use some resources to do it. And it's so important to understand that, that God has brought us together as a family. We're on a journey. We are a church for the journey. But we live in this world today that constantly bombards us with enticements and pleasures and temptations. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, we're immersed in this melting pot that begins to seduce or attempt to seduce our minds to think that it's all about building our kingdom and not his kingdom. And so when we have these conversations, we can feel this turmoil inside or this tension because we're really facing a spirit that is of this age. Jesus knew that this wasn't just a going to be a 21st century problem, and it wasn't just a problem during his day. He knew it went all the way back to the beginning of time. Adam and Eve in the garden, tale of the two trees. Here it was, the very first humans created. He had a plan and a purpose to be a part of his kingdom, and somehow they thought that they could do it better on their own. So they chose a tree different than God's tree. And you read throughout the history of time, the children of Israel, the book of Judges, the minor and major prophets, over and over again are these cycles of people. That God comes and he says, listen, I want to do something great with you. And they're bombarded by carnal appetites and temptations and idolatry and immorality. And he's just going, wait a minute. And we find ourselves there today. And, and I want to look at this portion of scripture that Jesus brings up. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 16. Also, if you have your uh, created to give booklet, you can turn actually to page 15. We've handed these out so that you can follow along throughout the series. But I want to talk about this thought. We all serve something. No matter where you're at, no matter what season of life you're in, here's the reality. We all have this one thing in common. We all serve something. And so Jesus brings this up in Luke 16. It's this, this powerful chapter where he once again, again, there's 2,350 times in Scripture where God wants to make sure that we talk about our resources. That's how big of a deal it is. More than heaven, hell, prayer combined. He said, this is a really big deal. And so Jesus chooses this opportunity to tell a couple parables. He talks about the unjust steward, which is the first eight verses. And he has this idea about this man that was given great grace and forgiveness, but he was stingy and wanting to choke out another servant. And at the end of this chapter, it's this whole idea about the rich man and Lazarus and this guy that lived lavishly. And finally, at the end of his day, he finds himself in eternity and sees that he spent his whole life living for himself, not beyond himself. And it's these two powerful parables. Right in the middle of it is the scripture. I, I actually think it's like the epoxy. It's the, it's the glue that just 
galvanizes these two stories together in Luke 16, 13. Jesus makes a simple yet very profound statement. And he says this. He says, no servant, speaking of you believers, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or, a, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. And he makes this statement, which is really the launching pad for today. You can't serve God or mammon. It's words of Jesus. And as we look at this particular challenge, Jesus is really just saying this real simply. We all serve something. We all serve something. And it reminds me of the story of this businessman, and he was asked to make this substantial donation to feeding the poor. And he talks with the person asking for the request, and he says, you obviously know that I have lots of money, or you wouldn't be asking. He goes, yeah, I know that. And he goes, do you know that there's a lot of people that are asking me for my money? He says, yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I just, just thought I'd ask. He goes, and, and do you know that my mom is in 24-hour nursing care? No, I'm so sorry I didn't know about that. And, and, and did you know that, that one of my sons is in drug rehab? No, I, I didn't. Do you know that my other son is, is a missionary? And do you know that my sister's a single mom and has eight children she's trying to raise? I'm so sorry. He says, and if I don't give a dime to any of them, what makes you think I'm going to give a dime to you? <laughs> Ouch. The story just so eloquently describes this idea. That we serve something. There's needs all around us, and we make a choice based on our worldview, our belief system of who we're gonna choose. And when I look at this, I, I think one of the best ways that we can determine what we serve is simply to look at what has our hearts. And how do you measure really what has your hearts? It's it's where you spend your resources. I mean, just stop and think about it. One of the greatest self-assessments that you could ever do, do it privately, of course. Take where you spend your time and where you spend your money and just look at a week and line them all up. And, and this is what will help you say, that's where my heart is. That's what's captured me. God's given us three things that he says we'll be held accountable for, our time, our talent, and our treasures. He says that we got to redeem our time. we got to make sure we invest properly. So he gives us those things that came from him, by the way. And so it's our job to do what he wants us to do with what was his in the first place. And so we have to look at this and realize that what's in our heart will determine where we spend our resources. And here's the question. This is just an honest question. I ask myself this all the time. And to be honest, I don't win all the time. But it's a simple question. Who do I serve? Not just what I sing or what I pray. It's not just kind of what I want to say when asked. But when it really comes down to it, who do I really serve? What is it that I serve? What's getting my attention? What has my heartstring, my passion? I think that's a real honest question because it's the one we're going to be asked when we stand before him. Thank God for grace, we all go to heaven. But there are rewards or consequences that are attached to what we do with what we have. And, and I think about that. And how we choose to use our resources reveals who we serve. 
the bottom line, Jesus is bringing home this, this kind of really tough thought. Who do you serve? And he brings up at the end of this verse, verse 13, he says, you can't serve, and he only gives us two options, God or mammon. And so what I want to do in a very simplistic way today, I want to unpack these two options for you. Because you can serve one of them. He says you can't serve both. You can and you do and you will serve one of them. And when you look at this portion of scripture, the first thing that Jesus that I want to kind of unpack right now is this idea of we can choose to serve mammon. Luke 16, 13, the second part says, it finishes with this word mammon. And it's important. I want to, I want to just unpack this a little bit because mammon comes from an Aramaic word. And, and it really means this. It means riches. But here's where we miss it, even in this time. It's not what's in your hand. It's what's in your heart that interprets what's in your hand. Amen. See, see what, what this word actually means, it's a, it's a spirit. When, when the word mammon is used, it's a spirit that directly confronts and conflicts with God and his kingdom. It's a spirit. Here's how you know that it's a spirit. I can say today, let's, let's all eat a taco and nothing happens in your heart. When I say, everybody give me your wallet, something begins to churn. Right, like right now, come on, everything that's in your bank account, give it to me today. All of a sudden, what happens? All of a sudden, you start feeling something. It comes alive. Every time we talk about, like last week, tithing, it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm not coming back. To Why is that? Jesus is trying to help us understand that it's not necessarily what you have, but the spirit and the motive behind what you do with what you have. And, and this word mammon, it, it, it comes from a, the Syrian god of riches, and it's, it's actually a false god that they called mammon, and it happened during the time of Babylon. And if you go back into the history, Babylon was a, a culture or a people that were adamantly opposed to God. And you even look at this word Babylon, it's, it's two particular pieces. The word babble, if you will. If you say, hey, stop babbling, you're not making any sense. The first part of that word babble on, babble actually means this. It means confusion. It means confusion. The word on, babble on, is a suffix that adds to it that actually means sown in. And so when you put these two words together, Babylon, it means a sown in confusion. And so you've got to go back and you've got to look at where this word originated and where it started to show up first in the Bible. And if you go to Genesis 11, it's this whole story about the Tower of Babel, Babylon. And it was a group of people that actually thought that they could reach God without his help, that they could reach the heavens and they could, they could do life by themselves. They could make it by themselves. And as it says in, in Genesis eleven four, it says, let us make a name for ourselves. It was a spirit. We don't need you, God. We've got riches. And so Jesus, it's interesting when you look at these, this particular word and what he's saying, he's trying to address a spirit, an attitude. I believe it's the spirit of this age that is grabbed the hearts of hundreds of millions of people. We live in the land 
of the wealthy and free. And we love it. And Jesus comes to bring up this thought and lets us know that could it possibly be that that same spirit that has gone throughout the ages from the garden until now could possibly have influence in our life? That maybe even here today, Eugene, we're sitting here going, uh, I don't like this message and I can kind of feel it. And it's kind of like, uh. but here's what the spirit of mammon really means. We don't need God if we have riches. Look at USA Today. It's just like, we, we put our hope and security and identity in everything but him. Now we'll sing to him and we'll pray, but when was the last time you had to exercise your faith to actually have a meal on your table? We have so much. It's so easy, we're just, we're, we're, we're stuffed with stuff. And, and what Jesus is trying to tell these people, listen, I'm not trying to tell you something to, to hurt you, I'm trying to help you. He uses a word that they understood. He could have used all different kinds of words, but he brings up this Old Testament word at that time to these people saying, the very thing that you're buying into is the same thing that destroyed them can destroy your life. And so Jesus, as God, is saying, be careful. It's not like you can't have riches. Riches just can't have you. They can't be your God. They can't be your motivation. And as soon as we get to this place with what we have actually becomes the counterfeit for God, it becomes mammon. It's a spirit. And, and you look at this particular list I'm going to put up here um, because I believe that mammon's a counterfeit for everything that only God can fulfill. And stop and think about it. Your peace. Does peace really come from God? As you look at scripture today, it tells us the peace of God rules your heart and mind. Oftentimes we try to find peace in something else, something that we have. If I could only go to my vacation home, if I could only, we, we look for peace in places other than God. Think about joy. The Bible tells us, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with joy. But we think somehow, if we could just have more stuff, the new boat, the new jet ski, the whatever. Man, it's just like, then I'm going to have joy. Only to find out about two weeks later, you're thinking, I want a bigger, better one. Come on, just, just, just walk along with me here. Security. I mean, just it's like, give me your IRAs, your 401ks, your 403bs. It's just like, what would it look like if you didn't have those? We spend our whole life thinking that somehow that's where we're going to get security, only to find out our entire economy crashes and you don't have a nickel. Then who's your security? It won't be mammon. When it comes to pleasure, hope, identity, we could go down that list. It really comes down to this idea is that God help us to recognize that we're being influenced by a spirit of this age. And what God's wanting to do with you and the why he's put you here to go touch lives. This is about people, not about buildings. The millions of lives that have been touched. Money and possessions can never satisfy. They're going to only rob you from the life God intended you to experience. 
If he can't, if he can't destroy you, he'll just distract you. Your, your house isn't an evil thing, but if you put your hope and security and everything in it and you miss your destiny, that's a problem. That's what Jesus is saying here. Come on, are you with me this morning? Come on, smile. Come on, Eugene, smile at me. I, I remember hearing the story of a wealthy man, and he invited his pastor over to his, his ranch. And they went up on this deck, and it had this 360-degree view of all of the thousands of acres and rolling hills and mountains, and he asked them to come up on the deck. And he says, Pastor, he says, I want you to look out this way. He says, you see all of those oil wells that are off in the horizon? He says, 25 years ago, they didn't exist. He says, worked pretty hard for them. They're all mine. Hey, look over this way. Do you see all these rolling golden hills? All of the grain that's over there, thousands of acres. My grain company that I have. He says, I built that, that's mine. And look over here, he says, you see all the cattle? I've got my own cattle company, my own beef company. And you see all the, the thousands of cattle. I'm glad the wind blows this way. Just kidding. He says, those are all mine. He says, the forests, look at the forests, the mountains. I have my own lumber company and just the thousands and thousands of board feet that are going out a day. It's all mine. And he's looking for his pastor to put his arm around him and say, that's awesome. And he does put his arm around him. He says, hey, what do you have stored up there? He says, you know, never really gave it much thought. Maybe I should. Here's the kicker with that story. It's just like you and I. This, this is a promise. I'll, I'll, I'll just prophesy with my eyes open. There's not one thing you're giving your life to that you'll take with you to heaven. Other than what you invest into the kingdom. Nothing. I just did a beautiful memorial service yesterday with Kathy Crow. There wasn't a U-Haul parked out front. I've never been to a funeral where there's a U-Haul. I don't care who you are. Paul Allen with billions of dollars. He left the same way he came in, with nothing. You'll leave with nothing. So I want us to understand as we look at the story and what Jesus is trying to help us understand is this thought. You can serve mammon if you want. The choice is yours, but the consequences are also yours. I, I, I love this story because Jesus, again, is just trying to help us. We've got our whole life in front of us to make some adjustments. And he comes back and he says, but there's another thing that we can choose to serve. We can choose to serve God. I mean, there's a novel idea. Come on. How many, how many think that's a novel idea? Now, I mean, how many people here today say, man, I just want to give my life to serving mammon? I mean, it's, it's, there's probably not a hand here. But when it comes to God, we want to do that. And if we're going to serve something, this is so simple. Why not serve him? Why not give our lives, our best, our all, to seeing millions of people touched, lives touched, sex trafficking victims and foster kids? 
There's people here today that have been impacted as a result of others that were willing to sacrifice. That's what we see. Down in Eugene, that building of 25 acres and the sacrifice. And I think about Liberia and I think about Bhutan and I think about Cambodia. I think about all these places that you and Eugene were sacrificing to be able to touch the lives of all these people. That is what it is all about. And so I just thought, thought I would just give you a couple thoughts here. And these, these are kind of based around some values of serving God that I just want to give you. And I want to read some scriptures to you. And I just want you to allow the word of God to just touch your heart about this idea about what we, how we can serve God with our resources. And here are five. There's probably 50, but I picked five. The first thing I see in scripture is that we can serve God with our resources to glorify God and to celebrate his goodness. It is a form of worship. It is recognizing that everything that you have came from him. Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him. Listen to what 1 Chronicles 29, 11, 12 says, and this is David at the end of his life. Scripture says that David was like a man after God's own heart, and so I think it's important to recognize all of his ups and downs and victories and successes, and here he is sitting on, in modern-day money, billions of dollars of wealth, and he says this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Sounds like a great glorifying thought here. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. Not just the 10%, it's all his. Can someone say amen right there? That was a pretty good thought. Oh Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over, here's this word again, all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule over everything. If we don't have that in our heart and spirit, we have a spirit of mammon influencing us. If we don't just sit here and go, God, everything that I have is yours, everything I have is yours, and be excited about that, not resisting it, there's a little voice over here. This is what Jesus is saying. You, you can only serve one or the other. At the end of this proclamation, this decree, you know what David did? He gave over $9 billion of gold and wealth in today's money to build the temple. I would call that a pretty good little worship service. Anybody got $9 billion we could use? Come on, anybody? Usually a few hands, two, three. Eugene, come on, just wait. Here's another thing. We can serve God with our resources by trusting he supplies all of our needs. Manna house. God's supernatural provision, miracles, healing, strength, resources. Everything that you need, he's given you. We are a house. We are a people, a family that have seen for almost 70 years God's supernatural provision over and over and over again, not just on our church, but also on the families of people here. I love what it says in Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God 
will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. I say it all the time, my God. It says he'll supply all of your needs. How many here today would just be honest down in Eugene, say, I feel like God has met my every need. When you think about your house and your shelter and your relationships and peace and joy, how about just the idea of salvation, by the way, that you're going to heaven? And you start thinking about it and we go, why, why not? If he's, if he's helped us all along, why not trust him and align ourselves with his word to be able to give like he wants us to do, knowing that he'll continually fill the bucket once we give? Here's the third thing that I see is that we can serve God with our resources to ensure our hearts remain pure. See, see, God could have done this different. He could have just chosen to take care of everything, but he chose to use you and give you stuff to do through you. Here's, here's a newsflash. He doesn't need your money. We don't need your money. This isn't about us trying to get something from a church leadership team from you. We're trying to get something for you, to you, blessing and favor. And, and it seems to me like God allowed us the privilege and put stuff in our hands to give us the constant reminder every day what's his and what's not. The greatest way to break selfishness out of your life is to just give something away. I, I wonder why he said give the first of everything all the time because we needed to be reminded daily. Every time we get something, we needed to break off that spirit of mammon, that spirit of selfishness. Look, it goes throughout the Bible. Here's, here's what it says in 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. It says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing into this when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. No U-Hauls. So if we have enough food and enough clothing, let us be content. Listen to this charge. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. Again, being rich is not the problem. The pursuit of it is a problem. It says, and they're trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Kind of sounds like Genesis 11. Thought they could build a name for themselves, security for themselves, peace for themselves, effort for themselves. And he goes on and says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Here are the last two, and we're going to get the wonderful privilege to worship. We can serve God with our resources to build His church. As you go to the book of Acts, what you find is this blueprint. We always say Acts 2 or the book of Acts is the blueprint for the local church. God gave us this, this idea in mind about what we're supposed to be as a family. Church isn't a building. Church isn't an organization. It's not something that you attend. It's who we are. We're family. 
And when you look at the book of Acts, I, I love this scripture because it talks about this idea of what they thought they should be doing with their resources. And, and I love this scripture, Acts 4.32, it starts and it says, all the believers. Come on, you say the word all. And say, that includes me. Here, come on, say, that was a little bit quieter right there. Get a little spirit of mammon on you. Come on. Just say, say, that includes me. That includes me. All of the believers. And, and I don't say this in any condemning way, but you know, we come to season of generosity and about 10% of our church even gives more than a penny. 90% say, oh, that was a great weekend. But this is all. Think about the tithing and the giving. And again, it just it's an indicator of what's really going on in our nation. And as your pastor, I'm just trying to do the best to help you. Not hurt you, not condemn you, not pressure you, but say, listen, there's something here we should be considering. All of the believers were united in heart and mind. And it says, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. What a healthy place. So they shared everything they had. I love people when they say, hey, well, tithing's not in the New Testament. Then just do what they did in the New Testament. Just give everything. I think I'm going to go back to that Old Testament thing. 10% sounds a little bit better. No, you know. <laughs> okay, I get it there. Let's, let's don't argue that one, right? But it says there are no needy people among them. I'm grateful for our church and the way that we take care of people's needs. Not only in the house, but outside of the house. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them. I mean, imagine that kind of a revival. We just all started selling our land and houses. That's what was going on there. What was it that caused that church to explode is they recognized that what God put in their hand was a part of building the family together. No needs. Time, talent, treasure. I mean, they invested everything into each other. That's what I love about this house. So Brother Dick had in mind started with a piece of chalk and today as we look at the facilities look at right now your children are in ministries and people that are pouring their lives think about the schools and the colleges and young adults and youth and groups and heat you know, you know where that comes from it comes from a, a few of you that say that's what family does they take out the trash together they do chores together. They, they don't come for free. They just kind of have this idea that we're family. And then here's this last thought. We can serve God with our resources to help others in need. I stop and I think about this profound thought that as a church family, just on the generosity side, forget the, the tithing side, just the generosity side, we've given over $15 million to help people outside of our walls. $15 million. If you were to just take Eugene right now and all that they've given over the 38 years and all that you've done, probably five, six, seven million dollars and the churches that have been planted and what's happening in Cambodia and Bataan and Liberia and all over the place in Eugene. It's just like you combine it together. God has done something supernatural that we can be, it, it, it started with that. 
started with a piece of chalk. That piece of chalk has turned into $20 million and millions of lives because there were some of us said, wow, let's make a difference together. Let's make a difference together. So here's what I want to do this morning. Again, we've just got this weekend and next weekend. And I hope that these few weeks have really, really been inspiring and also challenging. I, I keep saying this all along. Listen, I don't want you to feel any pressure. I just, I just want the Holy Spirit to touch your heart. We want what's best for you. So we've chosen to do worship at the end of our services because we always think that if you have the Word of God, just an opportunity to wait on Him and glorify Him, that the combination, the presence of God can really do something significant in our life. So would you do me a favor on uh, this campus here, Eugene? Would you just stand to your feet? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into this beautiful song. And we're just going to take this part of our service to really just say, God, touch my heart. I want to glorify you. So Lord, we, we come to you this morning. We thank you, God, that you just started in this service to touch our hearts. Lord, would you open up our hearts to receive what you want to say to us today? So as we worship you with our hearts, would you speak to us, guide us, Lord God. Help us, oh God, to serve you, not mammon. We, we believe that and ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. Let, let's go ahead and worship you. We thank you that you're here in this place. God, that you love unconditionally every person. God, you're, you're there for us. And I just pray, Lord, that, uh, God, that you continue just to touch our lives. God, remind us just how close you really are. And we give you all the praise. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand. Why don't you do me a favor real quickly? If you, if you wouldn't mind just being seated just for a few more minutes here. Thank you, Lord. You know, as we um, just stop and reflect, really, you know, what the Lord has been sharing with us today, I, I just go back to the simple thought is that Jesus loved us so much that he would help us to understand that there's a way to a blessed life and a way to a life of destruction. And that he would just simply say, you can choose to serve God or you can choose to serve mammon. And, and to be honest, I know on, again, both campuses, those that are listening online, I don't think that there's a person in these rooms that would just go, I want to serve mammon. I think that in our heart really is this deep down in us, is, I just want God in my life. I want him in my, my marriage. I want him in my kids. If I'm single, I, I, I just need him. Come on, would you agree with that? Come on, we're just saying, we, we want to serve you. That's an obvious choice. But can we, be, can we just be honest as family and just recognize that, man, the world pulls on us all the time. 
And, and there's a lot of things out there that are just like really enticing. I mean, we just, we love our stuff. We, we love those things. And again, I'm not saying that we can't have things. I have things. Those things can't have us. And, you know, we've been talking over the last three weeks about this, this idea of just uh, you know, getting our heart right. This has been a heart series. And, and my prayer is that through the three weeks so far that, that the Lord's beginning to just really work on your heart. Uh, again, not for me, not for us, but for you for your family, for your future, for blessing of God upon your life, for eternity, right? This is a, an eternal conversation. And as I, as I just stop and I think about our, our whole journey together, I'm, I, I've been I just praying, just thinking about our nation and our world, thinking about our church, our family, our city, thinking about Eugene, the region. There's so many needs. And uh, we're, we're so caught up in everything that's going on around us. This is really our hour to shine. We're watching what's happening in politics and our nation and the calamities that are around. This is an opportunity for the church to be the church, for us to be who God's called us to be, to go all in. And, and, and there's a couple things that I, that I just want to point out that I think are, are really important is, is number one, um, you know, last week we talked about the issue of tithing. And this isn't because we need something, so please, please don't take it this way. But you know, there's about 80% of our congregation that, that, that doesn't tithe. And, and I understand that life's hard and bills and kids and all that kind of stuff, but there has to come a point in our life where we just stop and realize that there's this principle despite the challenges you have, whether you've got a dollar or a million dollars, that God gave it all to us. And that he says that when we align our lives to his principle, you'll never be lacked. In fact, I believe that tithing unlocks blessing, favor, supernatural abundance. And it really is a trust issue. And um, this is just something for you to pray about, whether you're a single or a couple. What, what would it look like if you just says, you know, I'm, I'm going to once and for all make a step. You probably don't have 10% laying in your bank account going, oh yeah, just, but, but what if it looked like if you said today, starting today, I'm going to at least make a move to do something, a first something. Maybe you start with 1%, 2%, but you're saying, God, I want to start that journey. L listen, I I'm just trying to help you. I remember when I started tithing the first time, I was three months without a paycheck. I look at my life now, God has never failed me. I've never talked to a tither that says, I wished I wouldn't have done that. Is there any tithers here say, I regret that? Any hands at all? There's none, because God's word's true. So what would it look like if we as a family just really said, you know, we're, we're gonna take a step over. We're going to model to the world this, this idea of stewardship, of obedience. Can I hear an amen? amen. Just, just pray about that. Just again, no pressure. Right? Just for you, not for me, for you. Um, second of all is, you know, this, this season really is about a thing called season of generosity. And it's a time where we dream about how to turn chalk into millions of lives. Now, how, how do we 
take that box and populate heaven with millions of people. I, I, I think about the people in my life. I think about the sex trafficking victims that my wife and I have had the wonderful privilege to pour into and a few of the ladies that have become a dear part of our family. You guys help with that. The foster kids, there's some of them in the room right now. I won't point out fingers. I remember when we went and rescued and took furniture and took clothes and took stuff over to the house. Every time I walk into this place, there's hugs and thankfulness. You did, you did that. And, and so we come to this point, and again, I, I say this only to inspire you. 90% of our church doesn't even give what they would spend on a cup of coffee to season of generosity. We'll spend more money on Netflix than we will on eternal souls. Not a condemnation thought, just this one thought. What would it look like if everybody in our church said this, I'm gonna go in just one step. If it's a penny, at least it's showing a heart in that way, a dollar, five dollars. Some of you, $25 is just like nothing. At least say, hey, Manor House, this is my family. I'm in. And, and so I want to I do this. And, and, and we haven't done this over the last couple of weeks. But would you do me a favor? Would you reach forward, both campuses? And would you pull out the pledge card? It's sitting right in front of you. Could every person just put one of these in their hands? Just put it in your hands. I just want you to feel it and to touch it. I love the scripture on the back where it says, we're God's masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece, and you've been created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. And as you look at this, I, I just want, I want to ask you to, 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 to lean in with me and to just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to, as this being my family, lean in in some way, just, just whatever that means to you. And, and there's three things really that you have to do. I think that all of us have to do is first of all, just decide what to give. Is it a dollar? Is it a million dollars? I mean, just what, what's God speaking to you? And so we have to first ask the question, God, what, what do you want me to do? Second thing is to say, where, where should I give? And, and you can see here that there's five little boxes. The top one is just general. Um, we, that's where kind of where I put my money. I just, I want to be able to just make sure that wherever the need is, it's met. But all the community outreach stuff that we do with foster parents and kids, that's a part. World outreach, strengthening our house, whatever that might be. There might be a passion area for you saying, I'd really love to give to that. Just write a number in there. Whether you're ready to give or not, you can even write in a pledge. So first of all, what to give. Second, where to give. And third is just how to give. And really, there's a couple ways that you can activate that today. We have an app. If you have it on your phone, you can give through our app. And we have a website, manahouse.church. There's a little give button there. There's envelopes in front of you, whether that's cash or check or, you know, credit card or whatever the case may be. Understand all of what we get just goes straight through us to help people. So if we get a little, we help a little. If we get a lot, we help a lot. Our $15 million has gone through our hands back out to help people. And that's the beauty of it, is that we as a family get to choose how many lives we get to reach. How many pieces of chalk can we turn into lives? And that's just really up to us, right? So no pressure. Um, but here's what I want to do. 
So I just, I just want you to just hold on to this for a second. Just put it in your hand and let me pray for you. And, and I just want to pray that everything that we've talked about today, that, that, that there just be like this peace that would come upon you to really understand what God wants you to do. And so, Lord, we thank you. God, our heart is to serve you and not mammon. And Lord, in this room, down in Eugene, online, every one of us have been blessed. We have something to give. And Lord, I'm praying that, Father, as we just even pray today, God, I pray for a supernatural move where 100% of Manahouse family would just be a part of this beautiful time. And so, Lord, I just pray you speak to them. God, you move upon their hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Listen, we're, we're going to go ahead and, and pass the buckets. And would you do me a favor? Um, you can drop this in the bucket. If you're still thinking about it, you can bring it up afterwards or something. Um, also, if you want someone to pray for, for your offering, we, we do that, um, you know, throughout the years. And we'd love to be able to just pray a blessing upon your life. There'll be some of us leaders that are here. So if you could drop that in. Um, also, guests, if you're with us, again, please feel no obligation to give. But if you could give us the Connect card, that would be really awesome. And then also, if you have your tithes and offerings, just your regular tithes and offerings, you can put those in as well. Would you do me a favor? We're just going to do a little... One quick little bump. We're going to pass the buckets and we're going to close. Would you give Jesus a hand for a great morning this morning? God bless you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another.